We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ivy Nation, welcome. It is the Notre Dame Recruiting Hour coming to you on a Monday afternoon. Hope everyone had a great weekend. We are resetting here after the disappointing loss, 38-27 against the USC Trojans on Saturday. But we, have, as always, have a lot of recruiting info and information, intel, everything that we want to share with you here at irishbreakdown.com. I already see people asking, what, I'm not good enough for you? I'm Ryan Roberts, Director of Recruiting here at irishbreakdown.com. Sean Davis will be joining me here in a couple minutes. I think he's finishing up with the Lucky Lefty Podcast, which, of course, you can find at CFB Nation on the uh, on YouTube channel, which is associated, of course, with irishbreakdown.com. So don't worry. It's not just me. You'll be getting Sean Davis here as well. But we'll be talking a lot of different topics today. If you joined Brian Driscoll yesterday on the show, you know that Christopher Tarek, 2023 offensive tackle out of Glenbard West in the state of Illinois, committed to the University of Notre Dame, decommitted from Wisconsin, ended up in the Notre Dame class, projected to play interior offensive line with the Irish on the next level, which brings Notre Dame's Offensive line class in 2023 to five, which concludes what we should expect from this offensive line group as we are sitting here only a few weeks away from National Signing Day, which is on December 21st. For people, I know they were talking about that in the chat a little bit on December 21st. So we should only be expecting a couple more spots open. So we'll be diving into Christopher Tarek, what it means for Notre Dame, what type of football player he is. And what's the next step for this 2023 class? Because there is, there is, like I said, we are now sitting with 24 commits in the class for Notre Dame. There is only a couple spots left. We're going to be able to push it to 27. So we'll be talking about what's next for the class. Who are the players still left on the board? Where they are in their potential recruitment? Some already have commitment dates that they have set. So we'll be taking a look at that. Also be recapping this past weekend. If you guys haven't been following along with the high school football season, everybody is now in playoff mode across the country. And there are several Notre Dame commits that have won state championships this past weekend, won big playoff games, 
mammoth performances. So we'll get into that as well. And then, of course, the last thing we do on every single podcast here at Irish Breakdown is that we're going to do a mailbag. And the mailbag could be a lot of different things, folks. Look, we're recruiting-centric, so if you have Notre Dame recruiting questions, please throw them in the chat. If there are any national recruiting questions, if there are general football questions, NFL, college football, anything. As we're getting closer to the holidays, if you want to ask us what our what we are uh, planning on getting our kids for Christmas, I, we're here to answer everything here. And of course, before we start, if you could please hit that like button, subscribe to this podcast, hit the notification bell, do all that good stuff. If you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever, five-star reviews are very much appreciated. And throw in a Ryan Roberts is awesome. We love listening to him type of conversation, right? So do that. Do that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Just commenting on Twitter, if you don't follow me at Rise and Draft, that it is going to be, folks, a wild, wild offseason. Wild. And I'm not even talking just from the – I'm not even talking for just from the recruiting side of things because that's going to keep me busy, right? We're talking about the national si- – uh, the early signing day period that's ending here on the 21st. Talk about the next signing day coming v- pretty shortly after – then you're talking about the transfer portal. You're talking about the regular team stuff, getting us ready already for the 2023 season. It's going to be very busy, which means that you should stay locked in. Boards at IrishBreakdown.com also. A lot of great intel. That will be coming. Coaches firings, coaching hirings. There's everything that we have a lot of stuff to talk about, right? So let us first start off with Christopher Tarek. Again, offensive lineman, 2023 class out of Glenbard West High School. If Glenbard starts ringing a bell for you all here in a second, right? That will be because Notre Dame has a commitment in the 2024 class to Cam Williams out of Glenbard South, Glen Ellen, Illinois. And, you know, the first time that I heard Christopher Tarek's name, because he originally had, he had visited for the Stanford game and then made his decision, obviously, to, you know, so, all right, full disclosure on the process for Christopher Tarek. Maybe that's a good place to start, okay? So Christopher Tarek was committed to the University of Wisconsin, visited for the Stanford game. During that weekend, Stanford, uh, the Stanford visit, he was offered by Notre Dame. And immediately, he was extremely conflicted. One, because he really likes Notre Dame. 
Obviously, he ended up committing there. And number two is that Wisconsin is going through a transitional period, right? We know that the rumors and obviously with, it looks like Luke Fickle is going to be the next head coach of Wisconsin. That's, you know, just merely some dotting of the I's at this point. And if he is, that's a transitional period, right? Paul Chris gets fired. Is Jim Leonard going to be the coach at Wisconsin? Is, you know, what's the future going to look like? And now it's Luke Fickle. So that made him kind of rethink his commitment to Wisconsin. He ends up decommitting yesterday and therefore flipping to Notre Dame. And a little bit of the backstory is that, you know, I'd kind of talked to him a few times after he visited Notre Dame for the Stanford game. And at that point, he was kind of like, I'm conflicted, right? I love Wisconsin. I want to stay, you know, I want to, you know, I, I love the the staff that has recruited me, but of course it's a different staff that's most likely coming in, right? So he's conflicted because he loves Wisconsin, doesn't know what the all-time vision of moving forward is going to look like. And then Notre Dame comes in and, you know, immediately he meshes with Harry Heastand, the other offensive line commits in the class, and he, he hits a dilemma. Do I stay? Do I pick Notre Dame? And at that point, he looked at Notre Dame and he said, you know what I'm going to do? Because they ended up making it to the semifinals of the playoffs this year in the state of Illinois. Basically, what the next step for Christopher Tarek was is that he said, you know what? I'm going to put a pause button on this recruitment. I'm conflicted. It's going to be Wisconsin. It's going to be Notre Dame. We'll see what it is. I'm going to let everything kind of play out a little bit. And he goes, I'm just going to kind of chill, let the season end, get through the playoffs, all that good stuff. And then after that, I will make my decision. And then, obviously, that takes us to to here we are now with Christopher Tarek becoming the fifth offensive lineman in the class, 25th commit in the class for for Notre Dame Fighting Irish. And now I'm joined, of course, by Sean Davis, who is a recruiting analyst here at irishbreakdown.com, as well as the co-host of the Lucky Lefty podcast. Make sure to go subscribe that on the College uh, CFB Nation podcast platform. Sean, so just talking a little bit about Christopher Tarek, man. Obviously a massive get for Notre Dame. I went through a little bit of the backstory of how we got here. What was he looking for? Why the decision now? Everything makes a lot of good sense, right? So, Sean, let me ask you, because this is a great place to start here. And I'm glad you popped in when you did, because he's an Illinois guy. As everyone knows, Sean Davis is also an Illinois guy, so he's well aware of Christopher Tarek, and we've been talking about him now for several weeks as he kind of made the final decision. Sean, I, I guess the first people thing that people are going to ask is, how good is Christopher Tarek? What's he going to bring to Notre Dame? What type of player are the Irish getting here? Well, you know, after losing um, one of their commits along the offensive line and being at four, you wrote a great article, I would think, about two weeks ago, and you listed five guys that you were suggesting that Notre Dame would go after, right? And Christopher Tarrick, I don't even know if he was at the top of the list at that point in time. But this goes back to evaluation, right? But there are guys, whether it's in-state, you had guys commit to Ohio State, they were five-star. They were highly touted, highly thought of. But there's just something about Harry Heastan and knowing exactly what he wants and what he needs along that offensive line. And it was Harry Heastan that really, along with the rest of the staff, that identified Christopher Tarek. And Christopher Tarek is a kid, if you were able to watch his commitment show last night with Brian Driscoll and Brian Smith, 
Brian Smith made a great point, and we've pointed this out with Charles Jagasaw and Sullivan Absher. Offensive linemen and their development from, I think, skill position players, you can see from sophomore year to junior year, like, oh, snap, the light went on. For offensive line players, there's something about that junior film to senior film in a lot of cases where it's like, yo, his senior film is a whole lot better than his junior film. And we pointed that out about two of the guys that were already committed in the class. And it's the same thing for Christopher Terry. Like, he's vastly improved. And I think Wisconsin just happened to get in on him very early because they identified him at a young age. And historically, uh, Wisconsin has gone to that region of Illinois to get a lot of their offensive line. So there was a familiarity there with the coaches in that region and knowing and trusting what they were getting from Tarek at a younger age. And you start to see on film, this young man developed and got extremely better. And now Notre Dame, he could actually play tackle, but I think at Notre Dame, what they see for him may be something that's a little bit different. But Brian, he might have the ability, you know, in certain situations due to injury. If injuries happen, he could in a pinch move out and possibly play play right tackle in a pinch if they needed him because he has that background and that experience. But I think what we're going to see from this young man moving forward is him on the inside using his size and his strength to his advantage. Yeah. Well, Sean, that's what makes me so excited about this offensive line class, to your point, is that I do think Christopher Tarek is best inside a guard. I, I compare him a little bit to Alex Bars, and I don't know if he'll ever be quite as good as Alex Bars. Alex Bars ended up being a really good player before he unfortunately got injured his final year. But, I mean, that's the type of kid I see, though. Could he play tackle in a pinch? Yeah, I think he can. It's serviceable enough, right? Like, he's a good enough technician. He's got enough length. But inside, I think that's where you really unlock his overall ability. Absolutely. But, I mean, Sean – my favorite thing, though, is that now you have five offensive linemen that you could literally throw out a starting five uh-huh. in theory out yeah. there, right? You talk about yeah. Charles Jagasaw at left tackle. You talk about Sullivan Absher at right tackle. Sam Pendleton and Christopher Terrican inside of guards. And then you got Joe Otting, if he develops, could be the starting center down the line for Notre Dame. So yeah. I think that's something that we need to talk a little bit more, folks, is you know when we kind of when we rank recruiting classes, we get very caught up in stars and national ranking. And all that stuff is important. We've talked about it, right? You need to recruit talents. It matters, right? But for an offensive line class, recruiting five players in a five-man class that can fit together, mm-hmm. that can that can project favorably, because there is a reality where those five down the line are your starting offensive line in Notre Dame if they're developed properly. Like, that is possible, Sean. So I, I think we don't talk enough about how much fit matters for a class. You know, you said fit, and what jumped out to me right there is I had a conversation. I'm interested in seeing what you think about this. I remember the conversation I had with Chancey Stuckey, and this is when Notre Dame really, this offensive recruiting class was pretty much in neutral. (laughs) Mm -hmm. No momentum. Staff had just really come together. And Chancey Stuckey starts to tell me about how he wants his wide receiver room to look like the starting five of a basketball team with these different attributes and different responsibilities. And 
I never thought about that until I went and heard from Dylan McCullough and he said, yo, this is the variety of guys I want to have in my running back room. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Is this like something that's cohesive going through this program or is it just the offensive side of the ball? And then Harry, he stand because you have two tackles that might end up leaving after the next year, but they're two totally different type of tackles. Oh, without doubt. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that goes to what you're talking about, fit, variety, what Harry Heastan sees, how he sees Charles Jagasaw now, which I would say I think what we saw Mm -hmm. from Charles Jagasaw and what we waited to see after the senior film is what Harry Heastan saw. Mm -hmm. And that's why the conversation every time Jagasaw goes to campus He's in the film room with Harry Heastan, or they're yep. on the sideline talking about technique, and he's telling them, watch this during the game. Yep. Watch this from the unit during that game. And that's why Charles Jackson took that two-and-a-half-hour session he had with him with his mom in the room and took it back and started to apply that to his play, his ability on the field, and it made him better. So yep. in an essence, Harry was coaching him from a distance his senior year, and how did his senior how did his senior film look to you? It's pretty good, man. Pretty it's pretty good. good. <laughs> so, you know, Harry saw something, but he also wanted him to be a fit. So mm-hmm. he molded. He started to mold him into what he wanted him to be at Notre Dame. Like right. I, I can take you as is right now. Like mm-hmm. I just met you in January. <laughs> Literally just spoke to you for the first time like late January. So I'll take you as is now, but I'm going to start working on you now yep. before you get to Notre Dame so that you can be at a certain fit and a certain point of what we need, right? Jack saw can come in and play guard. Oh, for if sure. He, if he's that good, mm-hmm. based upon what he's worked on, you can look at him and say, oh, yeah. We could put him next to Blake Fisher and probably have one of the most physically dominating the right size of an offensive line. Like in college football. Yeah. College yeah. Football. yeah, man. Right? Yeah. And then if Blake leaves, guess who's going out to right tackle or even possibly left tackle? It's the Evan Neal track, man. It's the Evan Neal track. That's, that's how it works. Pump. Perfect. That, that's how that's how great offensive lines, I think, are built, Sean. It's like mm-hmm. get the fe- best five on the field. And yeah. then as as guys graduate or move on to the next level, you slide guys out, you slide guys in, and that's kind of how the wheel keeps turning. And I, yeah. hey man, for me, I was excited about Charles Jagasaw from the beginning because of the talent he has. My where I feel like he fits positionally has just changed a little bit now, yeah. Yeah. and that's exciting because he has Harry Heastan and Chris Watt and Trevor Mendelson and a lot of really good offensive line minds that are going to be able to work with him. So it's exciting, man. Wanted to put this one up real quick because I, you can always count on a good comment from Detroit Hunter show when I talked about fit. He said, he said, you mean you don't need 12 defensive linemen in one class? And Detroit Hunter, I would I would say that may that's uh and it's not the only reason, but there's there's a reason that Texas AM went five and seven this year. Do you know? Like there's there's a reason for those types of things. It's it, there's a little roster construction issue right now. With Texas a but hey, they just beat LSU, so we just them a little. Something. I think for that comment, we should call him the Troll 
Hunter. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, I love it, man. I love it. I love it. You can all you can always, always count on Detroit Hunter for having a little bit of a troll comment, and I love it more than anything. We'll have to send a quick shout out. Mark Applegate just put in a comment that it's his 37th, 38th. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm turning back Mark. the time. Turning yeah. back the clock, though, Mark. 38th birthday today. I know it wasn't what we thought the season was going to be, but I am excited about what the future looks like, as am I, Mark. And I just wanted to bring this one up and wish you a happy birthday. I know some people have already put that in the chat, but happy birthday to you, sir. Hope it's a great one. All right, Sean. So one thing I want to talk about, I don't know if you saw this, but this morning I put out a piece on Irish Breakdown. Mm-hmm. Yesterday I got to sit down with Cam Williams for a couple minutes, Sean, because I'm like, you know, he goes to Glenbard South. Yep. Chris Farrick goes to Glenbard West. Is there any crossover there? Do they know each other? Turns out that Cam Williams and Christopher Tarek played little league ball to the, together, man. So had a nice piece where he talked a little bit about, you know, his relationship with him growing up. Cam said that he reached out to Chris as soon as he was offered. And then the Paul Chris stuff happened, trying to start to recruit him, telling him like, hey, man, you know, you know where home is. And I, I've always talked about this and we, we've talked about it a ton on this show. And Cam Williams is one of the better recruiters for the 2024 class, but he's even recruited some 2023 guys, man, which is nice. So it was just really cool to see that those guys had a history together. They've been teammates in the past, and now they're going to be teammates again in South Bend, which is pretty dope, pretty dope. So talk to a little bit. O-line coaches actually graduated from the same school, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, really? I think Chris Watt is an alum. From the same high school, if I'm not mistaken. So there's that connection as well. Yeah, that's that's interesting because we, we always see that. I mean, because it's um, – who was it that just – oh, it's – um, isn't isn't Jagasaw from the same spot Tommy Reese came out of, right? Isn't isn't Tommy from the no, same? No, no, Jagasaw, no. Jagasaw is from um, – Oh, no, no. You know who it is. It, it's Riley Mills. Riley Mills are from yes. the same high school as Tommy Reese, right? School, yeah. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, just kind of put the bow on this one, Sean, because, again, we wouldn't want to spend a ton a ton of time on this because Brian talked about it a lot yesterday, obviously, during the commitment show. But mm-hmm. it was a really, really nice pickup for Notre Dame yesterday, in my opinion. You get a physical player. I got another article that's going to be coming out pretty soon about the attitude of the 2023 offensive line class, and I mean that with the – best possible conversation their disposition they play with the physicality really really like where Notre Dame is coming because when you look at them Sean I think that this is another thing for fit right like they all fit together positionally but I also love that when you're talking about how these dudes play football play the game from a physical perspective I mean Sam Pendleton's a dog he is a physical physical dude there's no doubt you pop on his senior film man he is dog and dudes, got strong hands. He is a really fun football player. And then, I mean, Sullivan absolutely runs the triple option. So he's firing off the football and just displacing gaps. You have those two guys that are just physical maulers. You got Joe Otting, who needs to gain a lot of weight, but like, man, he puts some dudes in the dirt out of his high school in Kansas, out of Hayden High School. So you get those three that are monsters. Charles Jagasaw is the most talented player. And by the way, all-state wrestler. So he's got a little dog in him as well. And he, like, he will punish you in the run game. And then Christopher Tarek kind of just puts the – I think it puts the exclamation point on the fact that not only do you have five talented offensive linemen, you have tone setters up front for this Notre Dame class. And with how 
this class is being formatted and how the Notre Dame team wants to run, Sean. We talk about the physicality and running the football. I mean, could you find five better guys that fit better as far as guys that want to just dominate dudes in the run game? I mean, can you find them? It's a serious question for you. So what you were saying with fit is from the top. Like, I hear Chancey Stuckey, I hear Dylan McCullough, I hear Harry Heastan, or see what Harry Heastan is doing in recruiting, and it's all built to fit the vision of Marcus Freeman, which is what? Run the ball and stop the run. That's the vision. Run the ball, stop the run. And, man, we got some maulers, some mean dudes coming in this recruiting class on the offensive line. Like, and I'm all for that. I don't exactly want my offensive tackle, my offensive guard and center to be guys that want to pick guys up. No, no, pancake them, talk to them, walk around. Let's, we're coming right back. Stay right there. That's what you want. So my question to you is, do you think there is a difference? Because we have mentioned at other positions in this 23 class or even looking at guys that were in the 22 class, the phrase, they move different. Mm-hmm. They move different. Mm-hmm. With all with Blake Fisher and with some of the guys you see in this class, do you get that feeling even along the offensive line that Notre Dame is recruiting guys that move different or look different on the offensive line? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple of really good athletes of the group. I mean, to your point, right? I, yeah. the, the, Sean, after the um, – I remember when the free, Feldman's freak list of the athletic, Bruce Feldman comes out with that list every year. People asked us, you know, what 2023 players could maybe be free, on the freaks list eventually. And one of my first guys that I put out there was Charles Jagasaw, man. Like, I think Charles Jagasaw is a freak of nature athlete at the wide receiver – I mean, at the uh, offensive tackle position, man. Like, he is just a freak. And then you look at Joe Otting. I mean, I'll say this, Sean. I don't think people talk about Joe Otting enough in this regard. If Joe Otting is able to hold 290-plus, 300 pounds at 6'4", somewhere in that ballpark, right? That kid is a really athletic player. Like, they pull him a lot. They work in space. Like, he does a lot of stuff out of Hayden High School in Kansas. If he's able to maintain the athleticism, then he'll be one of the more athletic centers in college football, man. Like, he can – absolutely move so you talk about him talk about Charles Jagasaw those are the real big athletes up front for me and then you know Selvin Absher is a good athlete is he is he is he on tier with a Charles Jagasaw not in my opinion but like he's a good athlete I think that Christopher Tarek and Sam Pendleton for guards are good to solid athletes right like they're they're pretty good so but I think that that's the, the difference right that you kind of see between playing left tackle, playing right tackle, playing inside. Like there's just a slightly different caliber of athlete, which is yeah. which is fun to watch. It's fun to watch though, for sure. So Sean, that's going to put the wraps on the uh, offensive line talk for, for 2023, man. I can't believe we're here only a couple of days away, uh, a couple of weeks away from signing day, but yeah. the offensive line class is wrapped up, man. That is delivered to Harry. He stands. We're done with the commitment of Christopher Tarrant, which is Harry did a pretty good job in your opinion. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, close. He came in and he closed on the guys that he needed to close on, mm-hmm. right? The Charles Jagasaws of the world needed yeah. to close on him. He got Elijah Page in the class. You know, that was a slight miss. I mean, we'll call it what it is, right? But I think the recovery is the biggest thing for me. He identified a couple of nice players immediately when he got here in Sam Pendleton. 
He identified Joe Odding. Then he identifies Christopher Tarek. And don't forget, because we don't talk about this enough, but he pulled a little bit of an upset with Sullivan Absher. I did not feel great about Sullivan Absher to Notre Dame there for a little bit. Mm. But he, I think, flipped that script very early in the process as soon as he got here. And he gets Sullivan Absher out of North Carolina, which, again, like I thought – I thought Sullivan Absher was going to go to Clemson. I did for the longest time. So like a couple weeks before he made his decision public, I was like, I, I just really don't know. So yeah, I think year one, bringing this group in with the returners of Blake Fisher, Joe Alt, Rocco Spindler, Billy Shrouth, that group, like it, there's a lot to be excited about on the offensive line. So that's going to wrap it up here as far as, our offensive line talk for the day. Exciting times for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Sean, I really do want to get into, man, because we're almost wrapped up for 2023. Only a couple spots left in the 2023 class. So I want to quickly just kind of go through where Notre Dame is with some of the other recruits that are on the board because there's only a couple spots left. So right now, Notre Dame has three players that are really left on the board right? There's always guys that could be added at some point, but only three weeks from signing day about just about there's three guys that you need to pay attention to. We're going to break each one of them down a little bit. We're going to talk about where they would fit potentially with Notre Dame. If they did choose the Irish, a couple of them I know have commitment dates already set. So we'll be kind of closing the book here on the 2023 class. I think Sean, for me, it starts with Caleb Smith, who's a player that I, I know Notre Dame likes a lot. A 2023 wide receiver out of Reedy High School in the state of Texas. Notre Dame already has two wide receivers from the state of Connect, uh, state of Texas, excuse me, committed in this class. Jaden Greathouse and uh, Br- Braylon James, who are incredibly talented football players. They also have Micah Bell from the state of Texas as well in this class. They have done an exceptional job. Peyton Bowen, of course, the 2023 safety, five-star recruit in the state of Texas. They've done a tremendous job recruiting the state of Texas, and they're hoping to push that number to five in this class and the third wide receiver out of the state. Now, Caleb Smith, this is kind of where we are with the Caleb Smith conversation, Sean, and then we'll kind of break down a little bit of what we think about his game and how he fits. So Caleb Smith was committed to Texas Tech. He's visiting for the Clemson game, and originally it was said to be an unofficial visit, right? Because mm-hmm. Notre Dame has a policy. You can't take an official visit to Notre Dame if you're committed to another school. So they're sitting there, and you know, it's an unofficial. And then last minute, literally the day before the visit, he commits from Texas Tech, which makes that visit an official visit for Caleb Smith. So the initial thought is, oh, man, that flip happened that, – that, Flip happened for a reason, right? That's where that you have to decommit in order to flip to a school. Well, he does. He has a great visit. We've reported on that. Does a tremendous job, I think, Notre Dame uh, in, during that visit. And now over the last couple of weeks, I feel like it's just been kind of almost like a Christopher Tarek situation for Caleb Smith. It's like, hey, man, I really loved the staff in Texas Tech. I like what they're doing. I built deep relationships with them. I see what Notre Dame can also bring to me. So I think he's been in a little bit of a back and forth with where, you know, he would want to go. So we expect this one to be figured out, obviously, before signing day, somewhere in the near future. I'll say that we feel good about where he is with Notre Dame. We feel good about Notre Dame's chances. Just the question is, did they do enough to close it? When will it close? Those things are still questions that we have kind of moving forward. 
But we feel good about Caleb Smith, Sean. And I know we've talked about this, and I know that we both agree on this. We do like how Caleb Smith potentially fits into this class. He's something that Notre Dame needs, in my opinion. I'm going to pick up right where you left off. And I just had a discussion with uh, former Notre Dame wide receiver Chris Fink. And he talked about the importance, especially for young quarterbacks, of having a guy on the interior that's a good route runner. And I think the fit for this young man is that he is one of those guys on the inside that can run routes, catch the ball, and run after the catch because he also gives you value in the return game. And Chris Fink talked about, like, Michael Mayer is one thing, but one of the most underrated injuries all year was losing Avery Davis right before the season. And he might not be the best, most talented wide receiver, but he was vitally important, not only for Tommy Reese, but for those quarterbacks. And Caleb Smith, we have guys that are pretty much outside guys that can go up, make plays, get deep, stretch the field. Jaden Greathouse is a bigger guy that can pretty much read. Jaden Greathouse can play whatever position you want him to play in the wide receiver room. But this guy is kind of a specialty guy, in my opinion, and he's totally different than everybody else that they have in their room. And he finishes off and gives Chancey Stuckey exactly what he talks about, that starting five type of vibe in the in the uh, wide receiver room. So that's the value he brings, and that's the fit that Kayla Smith is to the wide receiver room and to this recruiting class. And just, you know, just hearing that from Chris Fink, who played that position. And he pointed out, like, dude, I was I had Chase on one side and Miles on the other side. You know, but there was a comfort having me on the inside. Deshaun Watson, he had Mike Williams and all these big great wide receivers on the outside, but who do we look for on third down? On a rip On a rip Where's he at? Right? So that's that's that comfort. And Caleb Smith, I think, can become that guy for the young quarterbacks, for Kenny Minchie, for C.J. Carr, down the line and on third and down, third and three, third and four, third and five. Yeah, I might have Michael Mayer or the next great tight end, you know, that I'm sure is coming down the pipeline for Notre Dame. But guess who else? That only, and that will only make that tight end better and your outside guys better. And that's why he's important, in my opinion, to this recruiting class and to that wide receiver room. Uh, no doubt about it. I mean, we had a question that I wanted to pull up because it's it's exactly what we're talking about right now, Sean. Ray Holcraft, Ray, thank you for the question, said, why is Caleb Smith so coveted? How is he different than the other 2023 wide receivers? And I think you just said it perfectly, Sean. Yeah. He is a true slot-wide receiver for Notre Dame. On the next slide, if Notre Dame is able to close on him. And Notre Dame does not really have that guy in this class, to your point, right? Jaden Greathouse is more of an outside-in type of player. Braylon James is a pure outside guy who is just going to run by dudes, right? Mm-hmm. You have Rico Flores, can, who can do a little stuff in the slot too, but like he's more of an outside guy. But then you have Dylan Edwards, who 
yes, in theory is going to play a lot of slot receiver, but he's not a true wide receiver right now, right? Like he's that gadget dude. He's going to play some running back. He's going to play some wide receiver, going to be used in space, going to get end arounds, jet sweeps. Like he's that type of dude, right? There's no true slot receiver in the true sense of the word. Guys that are going to run routes from the slot, be dependable in third down, kind of that safety blanket. I think Caleb Smith brings a lot of those attributes to the table, which is why they value him, Ray. That's why. Talked about Tayshawn Lyons. I love Tayshawn Lyons' game. I think that whoever ends up getting Tayshawn is going to get an absolute stun on the next level. But I think the breaking point for Notre Dame was, hey, we really like Tayshawn. We really like Caleb Smith. Who fits better in what we need? And I think that they think Caleb Smith fits better. I think that's what it comes down to. So that's where we are with Caleb. Feel good about where they are. When does it end? How quickly does it end? And did Notre Dame do enough? to flip his mind completely. That's the questions that we're working through. But again, feel good about where Notre Dame is right now. We do. Next guy that I want to talk about, Sean, that's on the board for Notre Dame, Brandon Hillman, run, uh, running back athletes out of Churchland High School in the state of Virginia. Now, I want to put this out there, Sean. We've talked about this a ton. Where is Brandon Hillman going to play at, if he ends up in Notre Dame? I have no idea. I think that there is a real world where he could play offense, he could play running back, but I think defensively he could play safety, he could play rover. He might even be able to play linebacker down the line, man. Like he might be able to. He's got that type of body and that type of physicality. And I think Notre Dame, you know, from what I'm gathering, I, I feel like they like the fact that he has so many possibilities. He's a true athlete in this class. So I think Notre Dame sees him as a versatile weapon that can kind of do a bunch of different things. And they're going to let that one develop in their minds if he does choose Notre Dame and see where he fits ultimately. I know Brian Mason's going to love him, though. 6'2", 200-pound physical athlete who can run down at some kickoffs. Like, that sounds great to me, right? But that's kind of the player that we're looking at, Sean. I know we've talked about where positionally he fits best. I think the answer, though, is that this kid's a really good athlete, man. Really good athlete. Ultimately, it's going to be up to him initially, right? They'll come in, he'll go through, you know, the uh, tried and true testing of one Matt Bayless. <laughs> and then the staff will get him into the spring and workouts and things of that nature. And they'll try to figure out what's best for him. You know, for me, I like kids to come in and to know, like, this is what I want to do, right? Look at Xavier Watts. Like, they toyed around with moving him back to wide receiver after making a switch to safety last year. And now you start to see his ascent. He's playing better. And I'm, I'm glad they listened to him because when he was asked, he was willing to make the sacrifice for the team, but he was very clear that the defensive side of the ball is where he wanted to be. So, And Sean, and Sean Watts is their best safety right now over the last two games, in my opinion. You said it, I didn't. You I, said it, I didn't. It's where we are. It's where we are right now. Brandon Joseph hasn't been playing very well, and Xavier Watts is – Playing good football right now, man. He is their best safety, in my opinion, right this second. So, look, this kid is going to come in, and you want to get him in the position where he can start learning immediately. Learn this position. This is where we want you. I think he has the build. Rover would be perfect. He has the body type. You can see where he can add a little extra weight. Still keep the same athleticism, the same speed. And there you go. But if he wants a shot at quarterback and he believes in his abilities, <laughs> then, 
you know, you give the kid a shot early. And I'm, I'm, it won't hurt to give yeah. him a shot in spring to prove himself because ultimately the kid is going to look at who's in the room with him and look at his chances and have to recognize, I want to play ultimately. I just want to get on the field. That's what every kid wants to do. Like, And if I can't get on the field here, where can I get on the field? The quickest. Yep. Tell me. And then that's when the staff and Hillman, if he chooses Notre Dame, will end up having that conversation. But you have to feel excited this late in the game to get an athlete like him is, and he's a late bloomer to a lot of schools. Blessing is not even the right word. Yeah. yeah. Fortunate. Something that just fell out of the sky, fell into your lap, like whatever you want to say, that's it with this kid. And not only Notre Dame, but a lot of schools that have uh, jumped in late on his recruiting. You know, it's exciting too, Sean, for me, because I agree. I would prefer Hillman at Rover. Ideally, I feel like he just fits that spot so well. Yeah. But think about it this way. I'm going to make it like a triangle. I know you're a basketball guy, right? So think about the triangle for a second. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll talk this way. So three positions. There is the field safety, there's the boundary safety, and there's the rover, right? Mm-hmm. Those positions can be slightly interchangeable if you have the right athletes out there at the position. Because rover is a hybrid safety nickel linebacker spot, right? So there's a lot of safeties that could play that. We've seen Ramon Henderson a little bit in that spot this year, right? Like we've seen yeah. that. You you think of, look, when, when Jeremiah Wusukoromoa ended up graduating from Notre Dame, he was definitely more linebacker than safety, but early on he was, I would argue his, you know, his junior year, that he was a little more safety than linebacker. And then he got kind of a little bit bigger and he's got, you know, got kind of more comfortable playing in the box and doing all that type of stuff. Right. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking about it like this, Sean, it's like, okay, you have the two safety spots. You have Rover right now in the, in the class, you have Peyton Bowen, you have a Don Schuler, you have Ben Minich, and you potentially hopefully are going to be able to get a commitment from Brandon Hillman. That's now four dynamic athletes, different athletes. But my mind starts going in this way, and I want to hear your opinion on this, Sean. I could see, look, Peyton Bowen's definitely the more true free safety type, but he could play either safety spot, right? Yeah. But Don Schuler, I wouldn't put it out of the. I would not be shocked if eventually a Don Schuler is a safety, but eventually, if he's a big nickel, he's a rover. I wouldn't be shocked. Ben Minich, I think, could play either safety spots. Brandon Hillman, I think, could play safety and could play rover. You could have a lot of fun with those four guys at those three different positions, in my opinion. And you're not even mentioning Ramon Henderson, bro. No, I was just I was keeping it to the 2023 group, man. Like it's so much fun. I'm just saying now you're looking at the chess pieces that are starting to be added to this team. And you throw Hillman in the mix if he indeed decides to choose Notre Dame on the seventh. Now Notre Dame in that secondary becomes a matchup nightmare, right? Because let's let's be honest, right? Because what we're talking about here is like building depth, right? You have the emergence of a Benjamin Morrison, right? We firmly believe Saturday night looks totally different 
if Tariq Bracey and Cam Hart play. Defensively, we're not talking, I can't predict the scoreboard. But defensively, that unit, their approach and things they do looks totally different on Saturday night. Now, let's say Cam Hart comes back. Let's say Clarence Lewis wants to stay and acclimates himself to the inside or playing some type of mixture between cornerback safety and certain things and certain nickels. And now Ramon Henderson becomes, okay, do we – he loves playing closest to the line of scrimmage. Do we toy with him being rover? Or do we keep him at his position and, and, and connect him with Xavier Watts? And Xavier Watts, where do we – do we allow him to play free, right? Do we move him up and play strong? Now you start adding the 23 guys. And Peyton Bowen, for me, he gets nicked up. He's gotten nicked up a lot. Mm-hmm. He's gotten nicked up a lot. So would I prefer him to play free rather than being the guy in the box that's oh, part sure. of a lot of physical play to trying to help him stay a little bit you know, healthier? All these things come into my mind. Adon Schuler, who you would say, I don't want to disrespect him because you look at him play and you say, oh, man, that's your strong safety. But that's being disrespectful to the actual athletic ability he has because he can play a little free. You know, you look at his size and his makeup, and you say, oh, man, maybe we can move him to a big nickel and certain things. This is like, dude, Coach O'Leary? <laughs> Yo. He's got some toys, man. I'm, I'm envious. Toys. I'm envious, right? Yeah. Because you would much rather have too much than not enough in yes. any positional room. And I think that's what's starting to see. Like every positional coach is getting to the point where they're going to have a lot in the room and they're just going to be tasked with having to figure it out. And what coach wouldn't want to have to figure it out, right? Playing time. That's the least of my concerns. I have to figure out the playing time for these guys. No problem. <laughs> I mean, Sean, do you remember, you remember when Kyle Hamilton was a freshman and they kind of did a lot of three safety stuff because they still had Jalen Elliott and, and Alohi Gilman and like, yeah. it made sense, right? Yeah. I could literally see next year them saying, Hey, our starting safeties are Xavier Watts and let's say Ramon Henderson, right? Just yeah. for argument's sake. And then when it's obvious passing situation, you go, Peyton, you're a free safety. Xavier, you're going a rover. Yeah, like yeah. Ramon, yeah. you're going a rover. Like it, yeah. it's there's so many possibilities, which makes it really, really intriguing if they're able to get a Brandon Hillman kind of circling it back because yeah. Brandon again is those type of positionless football players but it's not a it's not a knock that's saying that you can do a lot of different things for a team and i think that that's where notre dame wants to go yeah because what we saw at marcus freeman at cincinnati was that rover in his system was like arquan bush at one point who was a true corner right like he's a six foot 195 pound kid yeah Right now, he's playing more true linebackers at the Rover spot, but like, is does he want to go with an Adon Schuler down the line? I don't know. It's just a thought, you know? Does he want to go with a Xavier Watts type guy down the line, Ramon Henderson? It's possible, man. Yeah. It's possible. So, just think it's interesting to think about how the Brandon Hillmans of the world, the Adon Schulers, the Ben Miniches, like all those guys, how they could potentially fit with this program, which is really intriguing. That secondary is going to be good, man. It's going to be good. I even mentioned my boy Benny. Yeah, man. The block. Yo, <laughs> the, the surprise of the safety 
call yes. in 23 for yep. all of us at Irish Breakdown. Like, you talk about someone's senior film being vastly improved. Mm-hmm. And I think we all we knew who he played next to and how easy it was for him to be overshadowed for a guy like Malik Hartford. But oh yeah, he proved invaluable at this is when it mattered. He made plays, but when they needed a play at the biggest moment, yep. it was usually him. Offense or defense. Offense yep. or defense that made the play. Then that's mm-hmm. that's just having a knack. You know, that's Hamilton just had a knack for making a play or anticipating, even when he was a freshman. And you see that on film for being minutes, just having the ability at key times during a game to go ahead and make that play. And that's anticipation and just understanding the situation, not being afraid of the moment and trusting yourself. And you get those attributes, attributes, like you said. Brian Mason might be the happiest person. Like on signing day, the positional coaches are going Mm -hmm. to be ecstatic. But Brian Mason is going to be sitting there saying, I get all of them. I get get to use all of them. So, yeah, you're right. The value and how everything's going to be elevated from all these guys is – I know Brian Driscoll had a – you know, his guy faced Arch Manning this week. I know he had a field day watching that film and uh, <laughs> well, that matchup. Sean, well, Sean, we're going to talk about that in a couple minutes. I did want to put bring up this comment, though, real quick from Donnie Cruz because I, I do think that it's fascinating and it fits into why we're talking about this conversation, right? The multi-level that this defense can go. So, Donnie Cruz, thank you for the comment, Donnie, said now – if our safeties go to Rover, why did we recruit Rover and linebackers so hard? We end up losing those so-called great linebackers. Donnie, I think that Joshua Burnham's why you keep recruiting those guys, right? Because mm-hmm. the thing that we're – what I'm trying to voice here is not that I think Don Schuler ultimately is going to be a full-time Rover, right? That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that Xavier Watts is going to be a full-time Rover. I'm, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that you give your defense possibilities, right? And – I mean, think about it right now, right? We've talked about like Nolan Ziegler as a guy that, you know, could play some Rover, could play Will. And I think that those possibilities are why you keep recruiting the way that you're doing because guys move in as they develop physically. That's just how it works, right? So there's possibilities out there. So there's no telling. I mean, Drake Bowen maybe is a role, is a, um, maybe Drake Bowen's a Mike linebacker down the line. It's possible, right? Maybe Nolan Ziegler is a will full time. Maybe Junior Toy Lamaka is a is a defensive end, is a viper down the line. Like all those things are, I think, are on the table for this defense. So you keep getting good athletes, and where they end up fitting is where they end up fitting. You you figure that out though, right? Because bodies develop differently at different times. We'll see what it looks like. But ultimately, that's why you keep getting versatile athletes and getting your best 11 on the field. And also what it brings is that we live in a world now, NFL-wise, I'm going to go NFL game because I know it's different than college, but like we're going to go there because that's where trends usually come from. In the NFL right now, there is a single football team that plays base defense more than 50% of the time. A single football team, which means what do we live in, Sean? We're living in the world of the sub-package, man. That's where we are. Absolutely. So there's going to be times where you have 
five defensive backs on the field. There's going to be times where you have six defensive backs on the field. Not everything is as standard as it used to be, where you're running a 4-3 and you're running a 4-3 every single play. No. There's 4-2-5. There's 3-3-5. There's going to be dime looks. There's going to be situations where guys are asked to do things that aren't technically what they are, right? There's going to be times where Ben Minich is down playing slot, I'm sure. I'm sure that he's going to be down playing a little bit of nickel. Is he technically a nickel? Nah, he's not. He's not. But can he play it? That's difference, right? That's using player strengths to give a defense possibilities and different looks, Donnie. So that's why I think you keep recruiting the way you are. Get talented athletes, get the best 11 on the field in the right situations. That's where I'm at. That's where I'm at with it, man. And people might not want to hear it, but you recruit to a schedule that's different than everyone else. Mm -hmm. There is no luxury of knowing the conference. Yep. And knowing the systems in the conference each and every year. You know, you have a few changes with coaches every now and then, but pretty much you know what this team is going to do. Yep. Notre Dame's schedule changes every year. And there are different offenses and different systems that you're facing week to week. Then you're going to have an academy team. And it's going to be totally different how you go with them and what you deploy. And it just gives you, look, we didn't think, we didn't know Josh Burnham was going to be one of the fastest and quickest edge rushers in the program. Well, and, Sean, and Sean, yeah. you got, and they, they literally, sorry to cut you off, but like they literally got Josh Burnham, who's about 6'4", 215 pounds the first this that they stepped on campus. And before spring's over, he's 230 something pounds. And you're like, right. oh, his body's outgrowing Will and Mike. Right. Like he's a right. viper. That's right. that's why you do it. That's why opinion. you do it, right? And evaluation for your players doesn't stop when they sign and you get them on campus. Yep. You're still evaluating them through weight training, you know, through workouts. Through spring practice, you're evaluating these guys because you have to figure it out as a coaching staff. That's your job. They're here now. Figure it out. Figure it out. Not only to get the best 11 on the field, but to make sure that the next 11 can come in and have an impact. Right. That's that's coaching. And so that's why you want players. That's why you want a guy like Drake Bowen to play inside but Drake, you know what? In this package, we want you to rush off the edge. <laughs> okay, coach, I can do that. Yeah, yeah. And I can be good at it. So it's not moving safeties to Rover mm-hmm. in sub packages, whether it's nickel or dime or big nickel, whether it's a, a, a nickel that might have two interior guys with two linebackers rushing versus mm-hmm. two defensive ends rushing because you want to get more speed on the field. There are a lot of different things you can do, and you go get the length and athleticism to be able to do those specific things and right. make your 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 um, ability to combat this world of, look, I would have loved to have more speed on the field against Caleb Williams mm-hmm. on Saturday night. Yep. It would have been great to have, don't get me wrong, because I, I thought middle of the first quarter to halftime, the front four did a really good job of making him run and getting him out of the pocket and making it difficult for Caleb yep. Williams. Yep. But I would have loved for those two edge guys to be faster guys. To would finish. Have loved yep. yep. To be able to finish. More range. More range. And more yep. range. 
right? And now via recruiting in certain situations and certain teams, now you can do that. Yep. And it's, it's, uh, I mean, Sean, it's a great point. I think the team speed is another thing that you just hit on that is a perfect conversation, right? Jeremiah yeah. Wusukoromoa showed up to campus and he was about, what, six foot, 190 pounds? He didn't know what he was going to play. He had no, no idea. No Probably thought he was a state. I think Notre Dame thought he was a safety eventually. And eventually he's a rover. And I was playing weak side linebacker for the Cleveland Browns in the NFL, right? Yeah. Guys yeah. develop. And you know what's even freakier, man, is yeah, it's great to get these. Freak show defensive ends. But you know who else could be a freak show defensive end? Joshua Burnham, who has literally played linebacker and quarterback on the on the high school level and is now your defensive end in your system, right? Those def- big defensive ends, the Tyson Fords of the world, if he continues to project inside as a defensive tackle, that's a freak show defensive tackle athletically, man. Right. These big safeties that are now getting pushed up to linebacker, these corners that are getting pushed back to safety – that's where speed evolves, man. Right. And the speed evolution, I think, is something that needs to continue. Needs to continue. And it's, it's exciting. It's really exciting. And that's what Brandon Hillman plays, folks. Where is he going to end up ultimately if he ends up at Notre Dame? No idea. I can speculate. I think he looks like a role for long term. You can speculate right. about it. It's yeah. also possible he's a safety. It's also possible he's a, he's a weak side linebacker. It's also possible he's a running back. These All these things are possible. Could he be a slot receiver? Wouldn't have put it out of the question. Like it's yeah. it's possible, which is a good problem to have because now you're just getting good football players on the field in interesting spots. So that's the second guy that's on the board. The last guy that we know of that's on the board, Sean, is Khalil Barnes, who's a defensive back out of the state of Georgia. He's an interesting player because I think he fits really that mold of wide receiver, defensive back, whether that's cornerback or it's safety. He brings some interesting interesting profile to the game, right? I think he really likes Notre Dame. I think that Notre Dame likes him, you know, back and forth. It, you know, the question is, you know, just how it when is it going? Oh, and I should have mentioned, I'm sorry, jumping ahead a little bit. Brandon Hillman is scheduled to make his commitment to whatever school he chooses on December 7th. So we will keep obviously updating everyone and how we feel kind of moving forward to that. Khalil Barnes is a player that also has a December date in mind before signing day who has been high on Notre Dame, has been to Notre Dame, a player that recently named a top three about a week and a half ago of Notre Dame, Oklahoma, and Clemson. So I'm told that that each school, I think, thinks of him a little differently. I think that Oklahoma sees him purely as a defensive back. I think Clemson is open to either spot, but more likely defensive back. And I think Notre Dame is open to both sides. And Khalil, I think, wants an opportunity to maybe play wide receiver on the next level, right? So, I mean, for me, Sean, I think he is – I think he's a good football player. I think he would fit in at Notre Dame if he ends up at Notre Dame. And I think, again, he's another player that brings you versatility. Is he a wide receiver? Is he a defensive back? I think the answer is that he can play a little bit of both. Ryan – I mean, Ryan, I'm sorry. What – something's being said here by this coaching staff and maybe we can convey it and like interpret it versatile athletes late in this recruiting class guys that can do multiple things but they have speed athleticism size length what is this Notre Dame coaching staff 
once again, you don't stop evaluating players just because they signed to your program. And I would say the evaluation ramps up once you get them. This is Notre Dame saying we need more of this. The fact that this class, which we thought, let's be honest, we thought it was going to be about 22 to 23 guys. Like this is our first year covering the recruiting trail in Notre Dame. We're saying, okay, they're going to get to 23. Should be a pretty good class. They'll be in the top five. And as time went on, we're like, yo, they might get to 25. Wait a minute. They might actually sign 27 guys in this class. That's because as the season went on, the coaching staff was continuing to evaluate the entire program. They just weren't evaluating their current team. They were evaluating the entire program. Oh, man. We didn't think we might need this, but we need more of this moving forward. Oh, you know what? We need more of this moving forward. We didn't, we didn't even think about that. We didn't even see that. This is just the oh, – that's why – I don't know if you saw it, the speech that David Shaw gave on Saturday night made me want to stand up and anyone that's ever coached in college, like literally give them a round of applause. Because I think as fans, we take it for granted. When he talked about the year-round stress of coaching and college football and how that wears on you for 16 straight years and how he literally just got to the point like, you know what, man, it's it's just time. Like, yeah, the record is what it is, but just for my life, it's just time. This is, man. This is a grind, and this I love how the staff has gone about handling their business in this grind. And I think the way they're approaching this twenty-three class, they're they're giving they're giving you a message. Yeah, that if you listen to them, they're showing you that they're figuring out mm-hmm. the flaws. Yeah, flaws that they see now, right? Because sometimes you have to wait until the actual players that you have go out and play. And then you can see things on film and things that you might not have thought were a flaw now become something, you know, we have to get a little bit more of this. And I think we're seeing that there's no, and there's an urgent, there's an urgency. They're not sitting and waiting and saying, oh, we can get that at 24. There's an urgency. And I think there's going to be an urgency at certain spots in the transfer portal for them as well. So I think that's the message that you're getting from your coaching staff, that they're starting to see everything that needs to be improved. And they're not sitting back and waiting for it to happen. They're going out and being aggressive in the 23 class. And I think they're going to do the same thing in the transfer report. I I really think that it's, and we're going to talk about transfer portal during the mailbag because we had a couple of questions on there. But I think, Sean, for me, the last couple pieces of this puzzle potentially for Notre Dame, whether it's pushed to 27 or 28, remains to be seen. We'll see, obviously, with some departures this offseason, whether that is the transfer portal, whether that is graduation, whether that is you know declaring for the NFL draft, whatever it is, we'll see what the final numbers look like. But I think it's a testament to Notre Dame recruiting, getting great athletes, the fact that the last couple guys we're talking about are Brandon Hillman. Are Khalil Barnes, guys that can play multiple positions on the college level. So it's really interesting to kind of see. 
that's going to kind of conclude a little bit of this conversation over the recruiting left for 2023. But, Sean, I wanted to, before we get to the mailbag, I want to talk a little bit about an article that I I think it's live on IrishBreakdown.com. If it's not, it's going to be live sometime today. But every week I talk about just some of the premier performances in all of college football, right? So, or in high school football, excuse me, from the commits in Notre Dame class. So I picked five this week, Sean, because the list is getting smaller and smaller because some guys are still alive in the playoffs. Some guys just won state championships this past weekend. So it's been wild to kind of see the ride that some of these guys have gone over, Sean. So I want to start us off, though, with a couple running backs that are committed to Notre Dame in the 2023 class. Guys that are on this list basically every week. Jeremiah Love, running back out of Christian Brothers in St. Louis, Missouri. They defeated Lee Summit North, which if you're not familiar with Lee Summit North, you're probably going to hear a little bit about him in the 2024 class because Notre Dame is on Williams and Winuri, who is a really good defensive end. Uh, I mean, he's he's considered like a five-star by a couple different platforms. He plays for Lee Summit North. Christian Brothers was able to win the state championship, Sean, 35-28 in that football game. Yeah, I, I kept hearing that that – Christian Brothers was saving Jeremiah Love into the playoffs, right? And I was like, yeah, I don't know if they really do it like that. Well, <laughs> I was wrong. <laughs> they they saved him for the playoffs, man. <laughs> and Jeremiah Love had his best game of the season in the state championship game. He ran for 212 yards, had another 106 yards receiving, 318 total yards of offense in the state championship game, five touchdowns, Sean, five tutties. For Jeremiah Love. Oh, by the way, the other running back that's committed in the 2023 class, Jeremiah uh, Jane Lamar, excuse me, out of Lake Stevens, they won their playoff game over Graham Kapowson, Cow- Cow- excuse me, 42 to 28. Sean, I said I said uh I said Jeremiah Love had five touchdowns, right? Is that what I said? Well, <laughs> Jane Lamar had six. <laughs> so <laughs> The two running backs that are committed to Notre Dame in the 2023 class, Jeremiah Love and Jane Lamar, combined for 11 offensive touchdowns this past week, Sean. So, again, we always come back. Let's circle back to this. Running back room is already a big position of strength for Notre Dame. Yeah. It's going to get even better very soon here. Very soon here. It goes back to the previous question, right? Why are we doing this? And why are we moving the guys that we got to this and to that? If you have a three-headed monster running back, why are you recruiting other top running backs? Get the talent, figure it out later. That's what great programs do. Get the talent. Why do you, it seems like every year, doesn't it seem like Georgia has a three-headed monster running back every year? Yep, yep. This is, every this year. Is like, like- this is like one of the worst ones they've had, Sean. And it's still like, still got Kenny McIntosh and yeah, all these dudes. Yeah. Yes. Dude, this is, this is how you build an elite program. You get the talent in and figure it out later. And if you lose guys due to the competition and the transfer portal, then that's par for the course. Right. But this, this is the way things work in elite program. So Jeremiah Love this year, man. Sean, let me let me read the numbers for this year real quick before you move, go on. Ready? So again, I said that they haven't used him a ton during the no. season. They really haven't. But that was the closest game they've had all year, right? 
Yes, that was the closest game they had all year. Sean, on the season, though, 1,292 yards, averaged about 10 yards a carry, 22 touchdowns, and he also had five receiving touchdowns. 27 total touchdowns, and I think he only carried the – I think he only touched the ball 130-something times this year, man, which is it's a good percentage of touchdowns to touches, I'd say. It's a pretty good percentage. Man, look, what he's done this year has almost – I almost felt like he was a junior college player playing high school football. Like He wasn't at college level yet, but he was kind of like – at power five level yet, but he's kind of like in between. But he was just so much better than everybody else he played. <laughs> it is if you go watch the games, it was just epic. It was just the way he would run past guys, the way he would catch the ball in the long touchdowns, and just I mean, yo, he's outrunning Christian Gray. And it's just like, man, I can't wait, man. I just can't imagine, dude. Can you imagine the first? Meeting when Dylan McCullough turns the corner and walks in the room, <laughs> and he sees Jeremiah Love, who might be the he might be the most talented running back they have the minute he op- enters the room. By the way, he might and be. And then he sees Jay Lamar, and then he sees his boy Jadarian Price. Back we healthy, yeah. We don't yeah. move on to the the other guys yet. And then it's Chris Tyree, and then it's Aldrich, and then it's it's like, oh man. The first thing he's gonna say is I have to figure out how to get all of you guys involved. <laughs> oh, and by the way, the season after that, you know, they're trending in a pretty good direction with Aeneas Williams right now, too. So maybe he's in the next class. Like... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, people People want to feel down about the recruiting class because of certain losses. It's like, look, man, they <laughs> the recovery has been wonderful. Mm-hmm. You wanted difference makers. You have – I don't even want to count how many difference makers exist in this class because I'm not focused on stars. We watch film. Mm-hmm. Plenty of difference makers in this recruiting class. So. Yes. And the running back position is top. They might have, correct me if I'm wrong, if we're just going top 10, Mm -hmm. it's safe to say that they might have four top 10 position rankings in this recruiting class. Is that fair? I think it's fair. I mean, because – let's look at it like this. You're talking about running back, right? I mean, the only other running back room in 2023 that I would say I would take over Notre Dame's right now is probably Bama's with Richard Young and Justice Haynes, right? Like, that's pretty pretty darn good. It's pretty darn good, right? Yeah. I mean, aside from that, though, I mean, yeah, they're definitely a top 10 class. There's no doubt. I mean, I think Notre Dame's running back room is definitely top five. Right. If not number two. Like, I think that you have a legitimate conversation if you're able to keep both those guys in the class. Wide receivers, that's a top 10 class, maybe top, top 10 class. That might be top three or four class in the nation this year. When we were talking about Jaden Greathouse and mm-hmm. Braylon James and Rico Flores and Dylan Edwards and maybe also getting Caleb Smith, like that's yeah. it's hard to find much better. I mean, Ohio yeah. State's got a heck of a class for sure, yeah. but I mean, that's really, really good. 
I mean, then after that show, it's like offensive line class. You make that argument, right? Yeah. Linebacker group. Uh, I mean, yes. Jay Nosberry, Drake Bowen, and Preston Zinter. That's pretty darn good as well. Pretty good, right? Cornerback. The two guys they have. Safety. Definitely. Safety's there. Without safety, might they might have the best safety group in 2023. So, I mean, you said four, Sean. Yeah, it might be six, man. Because then because then you go like this, right? Quarterback, you usually usually only get one quarterback in the class, right? But yeah. if you think if you can Kenny Minchie's a top 10 quarterback in the 2023 class, then that's also a group, right? Also so group. Yeah. yeah. Which I mean, I would argue that he is a top 10 quarterback in the class. I think he's exceptional. I do. I mean, Alabama's got two commits, so they have to be at the top, right? They have two yeah. pretty highly touted kids, so that's number one. But otherwise. You gotta if you only, if you only have one quarterback in the class, you think he's a top ten kid, then they got to be in the group too. So Notre Dame may li- literally have six to seven top ten groups in the position groups in the twenty twenty three class nationally, which is wild, man. That's wild. Yeah. That's a great point, Sean. I didn't even think about that. No, man. That's I mean, yeah. you know, just to you know, just to let you know the difference makers that are coming because then people are like yeah. Uh, we lost this guy. We lost that guy. Okay. All right. Go rank the positions nationally and see how many times Notre Dame's in the top 10 or the top five. Yeah. It's like, we don't have to hype up this class. They hype themselves up. Yeah. No, I mean, it's a great point. I'm so excited about the running back room though. I know that's very like archaic, right? Like people are like, Oh, running backs don't matter. Pass a game. Sure. I get it, man. I get it. And I'm only 31. So like, I'm still, I'm still hip to the times, but it's exciting to see what this running back room is going to look like moving forward. And Sean, the guy's blocking for him. Probably should have thrown this stat in when we were talking about the offensive line class, Christopher Terra coming in, but a part of this week 14 high school commit roundtable that I'm putting out on irishbreakdown.com. I also had Sullivan Absher in there, Sean, who they qualified South Point for the North Carolina State Championship at their level. So they beat Eastern Guilford 28-25. It was a little bit of a down day for the offense, for the rushing game of South Point, Sean. They only ran for 282 yards and three touchdowns and averaged 5.8 yards a carry. I say super sarcastically because on the season, they average over 300 yards rushing a game, and they've had like 60 rushing touchdowns this year. Sullivan Absher, man, there's going to be some work that needs to come in as far as as pass blocking is concerned because he's not asked to do it on his level at South Point. But my boy can be a dog in the run game the minute he gets to campus, especially playing offensive tackle with the the ability he has, man. He is going to be a – He's what they need as far as the temperament that he plays with, the physicality. I'm a big fan of Sullivan Absher. Now he's playing in a state championship, which is pretty exciting for him. He should be a big fan of Sullivan Absher. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And I think you pointed out, along with Brian, uh, that talked about it with Brian Smith, just a tabby yesterday during the Christopher Terry uh, commitment show. Dude, these offensive linemen, all have gotten better in their senior years. And that's what you want that's what you want to see. Like you don't want to see a guy that levels off. It's like, okay, maybe they can get him better once they get him in the building. No, you have ascending players. 
what makes you feel like they have more room for growth when they do get to Notre Dame, whether it's physically. And that's the thing. I think we talked about this maybe two weeks ago on one of our shows, how physically this class is ready to go. Like, Matt Bayless, I mean, you might just be refining things because, like, from a weight standpoint, they physically can come in and play the college game. They can come in and play the college game, and that's what you want, right? That's what you want. You know, you don't want to have to – you don't want a lot of Emil Wagners Mm -hmm. in your O-line room. You can have one or two, right? And the way things are trending for – Emil Wagner is like the person we don't even talk about. It's almost mm-hmm. like we forget about him, right? And he might be your future left tackle. Yep. <laughs> no day. Like when Joe Alt leaves. Like it's that serious. I don't do. Who would you who would you want? I, I think I can stump you right here, Ryan Roberts. Okay, stump me. Stump me. First day of meetings in the spring. You're walking down from the coaches meeting with Marcus Freeman, getting ready to go into your positional room. And you got any room to walk in, any choice of your positional room to walk into, which one are you choosing? I'm very interested. It's in which room would you want to walk into Hmm. as the coach? It's an interesting question. I I think running back. I think running back, man. I do. it's cl- I mean, it's close between offensive line and running back for me. Actually, ugh, could it be safety? Mm. I don't know, man. I don't know. That's a tough one, Sean. That's actually a tough one. I would hear, love to hear other people's responses to that because it's like, I mean, you have that running back room that we've talked about a ton, right? Like you're going to see yeah. Audric and Jadarian yeah. and Jeremiah coming in and Logan Diggs and – just ridiculous. Maybe Chris Tyree coming back. Like that is a crazy room. But then offensive line wise, you you got Big Blake and Joe Walton there, and then yeah. also you're seeing like guys like Charles Jagasaw walking around, just get, just kind of chomping at the bit to work with them, right? Like that's yeah. pretty ridiculous. And then safety wise, maybe you have Brandon Joseph coming back, but Xavier Watts, you have Peyton Bowen coming in. I, I mean, I, I think for me though, it'd be running back or it would be offensive line like that would be my two spots i think man that would be i'm going yeah. i'm going i'm going linebacker oh that's a good one too it's a good yeah. one yeah i'm yeah. taking i'm taking sneed i'm taking ziggler i'm taking yo i'm i'm going in i'm taking prince collie and i'm taking all the guys i mean who does jd have one more year left JD, yeah, JD has another year. Yep. He has another year left. And Maris, yep. I might just walk in, and this is me talking. I have no knowledge of anything. <laughs> I might just walk in and say, Maris, dude, you're moving the Viper. <laughs> yeah. You're moving the Viper. We're going to hand it on the field. Sneed, you're, hey, we're not going to hand it to you, but you got to be the guy. Come mm-hmm. win this thing. Come win this rover position. Come win it. We need you. Like, heck, give me Drake. Heck yeah. Like, this is where you're going to be, son. Junior, you already teased it. Hey, Junior, we're going to put some weight on you, man. Mm-hmm. Come off this edge. Yeah. Pass rush. Come a big – man, because it's, it's so much you can do with from a versatility standpoint. 
I would just love to be able to coach that mm-hmm. and get guys in the right position. That would be like a really big challenge that I think I would love to take. Yeah. And Zinter is probably like the most underrated. I probably would see him at the first practice and be like, oh, oh, really? Okay. All right. <laughs> I got to figure out how to get you on the field as well. I oh, mean, talk about a uh, spoil of riches. It's, it's fun, man. It's fun. Yeah. Showing you, you know what? If we even like, if we even like even narrow more narrow this conversation, I would love to be in that rover conversation here for a second. Cause you talk about Jalen Sneed, right? Yeah. yeah. Jack Kaiser is a solid football player. He's coming back most likely, yeah. but you have Jalen Sneed coming back and it's for a second year, right? Then you're bringing in a guy like a Jaden Osbury potentially playing rover as well. Like, yeah. whoa, buddy, I can do yeah. something with that, man. Maybe remote Henderson gets cross trained a little bit. Like I can yeah. do something with that, man. I yeah. can do something with that. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Yeah. But I understand running back would probably be like running back is definitely the sexiest position room mm-hmm. for anybody looking at this recruiting class. Yes. Yep. I agree completely to that one. Sean, we had a uh, question that I'm going to save for the mail mailbag because we're, we're close to the mailbag folks. Just want to work through a couple more players. Jaden Osbury is one, Sean, that you already teased a little bit. Brian Driscoll's guy in the 2023 yeah. class, University Lab in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So, Sean, they defeated in the playoffs this past week. Isidore Newman, 49-13. to 13. Why does Isidore Newman sound familiar? That's right. That's where Arch Manning goes. That's where Archie goes. Arch Manning, of course, 2023 quarterback, five-star pretty much across the board from every recruiting ranking. Slightly overhyped, but still a very good football player, no doubt. <laughs> you just threw that little dig in there. <laughs> it's a little bit. I mean, he's still you know, he's still a really good player, man. Like he is. He's a yeah, he's honestly, a top he's a top five quarterback in the class, in my he, opinion. Like, he might end up starting next year, but you didn't hear from me. Uh, I mean, we'll see, man. Quinn Ewers is a, a very puzzling football player, but we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But anyway, Arch Manning committed to Texas. Yeah. Jay Osbury's team dominates Isidore Newman. Man. Sean, he so their defense in general, they let up 13 points. They forced four turnovers, including two interceptions off of Arch. And by the way, Jay Nosberry became the school's all-time leader in tackles. And folks, I'm telling you right now, go look at some of the names that have come out of University Lab. It's pretty good, man. It's pretty good. The guy he passed, by the way, was Dylan Moses, former All-American linebacker out of Alabama, who was going to be a very high draft pick, if not for the injuries that caught up to him at Alabama. So Jane Osbury is leaving as a record setter, record holder for University Lab. Just came off of, I mean, Sean, big victory over, a you know, an Isidore Newman team that has one of the top players in the entire nation. A big showing for the defense, big showing for Jane Osbury, and a big accomplishment for who is quietly one of the best linebackers in the 2023 class. You talk about a dominant, that's the dominant performance mm-hmm. of the weekend. Like, I don't think anyone expected that, even in that region, in that area. And we have to say it, right? Okay. Because we 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 get on our our guy Brian Driscoll a lot. You know, he says sometimes Ryan and I double team him on certain things and certain players. So, okay, you you were right. 
about Jane Dawesbury. You you were right. Okay, Brian, you were right. He he's that good. And he's going to end up being that good at Notre Dame. Absolutely. You were right on Benjamin Morrison. It's like he gets one guy per class that he just absolutely identifies and says, this is going to be the guy. And Jay Osbury might be that guy. And he actually might be the guy that pops as a true freshman, like Benjamin Morrison in that linebacker position. He just might, Ryan. Like, he's that good. He really is. And you talk about the pedigree of linebackers coming from that school. Dylan Moses early on came in. He was a dude, man. He was yeah. a dude. Yeah. yeah. Extremely talented, extremely gifted. Unfortunately, they, the injuries caught up to Dylan Moses. But, again, Jay Nosbury leaves. University Lab is the most decorated linebacker you could argue. I mean, not most decorated because Dylan Moses was super hyped, but most accomplished linebacker in terms of production, right? Like, we can't argue that. He literally just was – he just cemented himself as – the cream of the crop there. So yeah. would not be shocked that Jay Osbury starts for Notre Dame next year as a freshman at some point during the season. Let's let's see where uh where where he ends up, but it'll be interesting to kind of follow him. Last guy, Sean, gotta talk about him every week. Peyton Bowen for Denton Geyer in the state of Texas. They defeated Byron Nelson 59 to 41, a high scoring affair. One of the big highlights of the nights for Denton Geyer was a, another punt return for a touchdown. They keep kicking to Peyton Bowen. I don't know why they keep doing this. Why are we still punting to Peyton Bowen? That was his fourth or fifth on the season. Stop punting to Peyton Bowen. I don't There's no way, like, even if you pooch punt, he's on the field. Right? <laughs> so, he man, he finds a way somehow, some way. Every week. To just make an impact and find, find his way to the end zone every week. Amazing. Every single week, man. I, 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 Sean, I can't, I can't fathom it, man. They keep punting to him. I know yeah. he's got a broken hand or whatever, yeah. but like, guys, stop punting to him for the love of everything that is holy. Stop punting to Peyton Bowen. Stop. <laughs> Just don't do it. I'd rather kick the ball ten yards out of bounds. Like, stop punting to him. You know, they are, they are, they teams are allowed to do that, right? You can't, you can't kick just the ball go for it on fourth down. Just go yeah. for it on fourth down. Stop yeah. punting to the guy, man. It's not smart football. Stop punting to Peyton Bowen. There, guys, there you go. I'm giving some coaches some tips out there. All right. I am not the smartest guy in the room, but I'm telling you, don't punt to Peyton Bowen. Stop. Fight yeah. your inner Tony Dungy. Yeah. At the man. Super Bowl. Like, fight your, fight your inner Tony Dungy that says, I'm going to kick the ball off to start the Super Bowl to the greatest returner of all time. <laughs> like the urge. Yeah. And like I know, urge. I know Salty just said to Sean, Jaden Greathouse has five punt returns for touchdowns this season, and they keep punting to him too for some reason. Why are we punting to these guys, man? Stop. Stop punting to these guys. Like Dylan Edwards. Why would anyone ever punt to Dylan Edwards? Why? It doesn't make any sense. Why would you do it? Just just stop. Just stop. But, Sean, they have a big matchup this week, though, which is going to be a really fun game to keep tabs on. Geyer is taking on this week's South Lake Carroll, which we mentioned Quinn Ewers earlier. South Lake Carroll, obviously a big program in the state of Texas. That'll be a fun one to watch. Geyer's going to be tested. South Lake Carroll is a good football team. I, I really think, though, that Geyer is on the mission – for redemption from losing last year in the championship. So 
We're uh, it's going to be exciting, man. But Peyton Bowen, a big one for Notre Dame, and that is going to conclude though the Notre Dame recruiting hour. We're going to get in to a lot of mailbag questions. We're going to get through them as quick as we can. But before we get into the mailbag, if you could please hit that like button, subscribe to the podcast, share the podcast. That would also be appreciated. Hit that notification bell because I'm telling you right now, guys, with only a couple weeks before national, uh, before signing day, we're going to have a lot of shows, some commitment shows at some point, right? We're going to have a lot of stuff coming down the wire. So make sure you stay locked in. If you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, five-star reviews are very appreciated. And if you say in the title, Ryan and Sean are awesome. That would be a great, great title for review, in my opinion. So make sure you hit all that, and we really appreciate it. Thank mm-hmm. you.